Well, welcome tonight. A couple other fun notes as you're finding your seat. Today is Gabby Merton's birthday. So give it up for Gabby. Gabby and her mom, they serve communion at the end of the service. They're making sure everyone's got it. She's been around here for years. I don't have memories around here without you. So God bless you, Gabby. And then Mr. Bob Staten is in the house, 93 years old. Bob is in the house right here. Yeah, Bob. Good to see you, bro. We, have, we meet at Cracker Barrel a few times a year or go get a burger for lunch. This guy's still playing golf, Bob is, at 93. And one of my favorite stories is Bob, he'll go in, he plays a few times a week, and he'll walk into the counter and he'll give him his 20 bucks for nine holes or whatever it is, and, and uh, they'll hand him the cart key and he'll say, if I'm not back in two hours, call 911. <laughs> <laughs> So Bob, we love you, bro. I want to be like you. I want to be, you know, 93 looks good on you. So, hey, if you're, uh, if you got your Bibles, you can turn to Galatians chapter one. If you're new to the Bible, it's toward the back of the book, Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians. It's a letter from the apostle Paul to the church in Asia Minor. And so what I'll do tonight is I'll read you Galatians one, three through nine. This is week two of our series. And then I'll pray and we'll jump in. So hear the word of the Lord from the Apostle Paul, Galatians chapter one. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. And now Paul kind of throws down. He's opened the letter, grace and peace to you. It's good to hear, you know, hope you're doing. Now let's talk turkey, he says. Verse six, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. What did he call them to live in? The grace of Christ. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and you are turning to a different gospel. You're turning to a different gospel, he says, which is really no gospel at all. It's not even worth speaking of. It doesn't measure up to the truth of the gospel you've been given. So you, you've turned to another gospel, which is really no gospel at all, he says. You feel Paul's energy here. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. I've highlighted that, underlined it, it, just flagged that in your mind. They're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, Paul says, even if I, we, me and Barnabas, or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. He's like, you know, let it be on me and my mama and my grandmama. If I come to you telling you something other than what I told you the first time, kill me, Lord, now, because the first gospel I told you is true. Let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, whoa, whoa. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we need you. And really, it's only by the Spirit that the gospel can be heard. 
And so I ask you, Lord, with all humility, please speak. If this is the Daniel Grothy show, we've wasted our night and we're all in trouble. But if the word of God is proclaimed and if the spirit takes these frail words that I'm going to offer and lifts them up into the life of the kingdom, we're going to be fine. And so I'm begging you, Lord, to that. Speak to us, your people. Speak to us, your people. Let us hear the truth proclaimed tonight. Let us see Jesus face to face tonight. Let us be transformed from the inside out tonight. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. amen. Have you ever seen a situation turn on a dime? I mean, like it was going in one direction and then out of nowhere, boom, it's like, uh, emotional whiplash, the, the, the change of pace, like Super Bowl 51, the Falcons and the Patriots. Anyone? I'm, I'm neither a Pal- Falcons nor a Patriots fan, so I've got no skin in this game. I just watched it, and they, what, Falcons up 28 to 3, just destro- mopping the floor with Tom Brady. And until they weren't. And. A 31 to 0 run and the Patriots win in overtime 34 to 28. It was, I mean, like, talk about emotional whiplash. Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, was standing on the sideline in the third quarter just loving his prospects. And then, (sighs) have you ever seen a situation turn on a dime? Well, this is the story of Galatians chapter 1, 6 through 9. Paul and Barnabas had traveled on a missionary journey to Galatia and South Asia. And they told these people about the gospel of Jesus. And these people came to faith. They said, yes, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back, though none go with me. I mean, they were going for it until they weren't. Not long after Paul and Barnabas had gotten home and they were unpacking their satchels from their journey, Paul got word that it had all collapsed. It was falling apart. This, this fragile faith community that was finally standing up on its feet and learning the truth and following Jesus with their faith, face set like flint, they, they now had turned their gaze away to this lesser gospel, which is really no gospel at all. We get the story, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting. You're so quickly deserting. You've turned to another gospel And people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. This is almost the New Testament equivalent of the Old Testament story of the golden calf. You remember Moses, like God had called him up Mount Sinai and there's thunder and lightning and the billows of smoke and God's going to speak to Moses face to face and give him the 10 commandments. And so Moses goes up in 40 days and 40 nights and the people of God are down at the bottom and Moses walks down thinking he's gonna find the people intact. They were trying to follow Yahweh and he comes down and there's this idol. They had thrown their gold into the fire and melted it down and constructed this golden calf because they couldn't wait 40 days for God to speak. They took the story into their own hands. This Galatians chapter one is the New Testament equivalent of that. What was the problem? It was a sneaky situation because 
these people hadn't walked away from Jesus entirely. I mean, it would have been much simpler had they started dating another God of the Greek pantheon, you know? It would have been much simpler and cleaner if they'd, you know, Zeus or, or you know, one of those, one of, I don't know too much about the Greek pantheon, but you understand. Had they started dating another Greek God, it would have been simpler, but, but their, their worship of Jesus got muddled and mangled and, and uh, confused. These people called the Judaizers had come in and they held that the old ancient Levitical laws were still the the laws that all the Gentiles should follow. So Gentiles, people who weren't Jews by birth, they were outsiders to the faith. They're coming to follow Jesus and the Judaizers see that Paul and Barnabas had success and Paul and Barnabas leave and the Judaizers rush in and say, look, actually, if you're gonna follow Jesus, you have to do all of the stuff. You have to get circumcised and you have to have strict Sabbath observance and you have to, you can't eat pork and you can't eat shellfish and you can't do this and you can't do that. And if you're gonna follow Jesus, you have to build this whole cultural experience around your faith. And they started believing it. The Judaizers stormed in proclaiming a Jesus plus gospel. Jesus plus Circumcision, Jesus plus strict Sabbath observance, Jesus plus no pork and no shellfish and Jesus plus all of these little laws they built around. And so they were proclaiming a Jesus plus gospel. Now, let me say this. Many of these Judaizers had sincerely believed in Jesus as the Messiah. They had this beautiful conversion experience. Their eyes were open and they saw the, the world's true Lord in Jesus but they wanted everyone to experience Jesus in the same way that they had experienced Jesus. Have you ever experienced this? You know, if it works for me, it works for you. Like, it's simple. This is how Jesus has spoken to me, so you just need to follow my example and do every little thing. As a parent, I feel this pressure sometimes. Well, this is how God got my heart when I was little, and I got three little ones, and he's going to get your heart that same way. And I'll just tell you that God does not mass produce salvation. God does not put us on the assembly line and, you know, like Henry Ford in the heavenlies, you know, cranking out Model A's and Model T's, and just like we are not robots. God, by his spirit, comes at us uniquely and differently and, and, and appropriately and he knows who we are and he knows how he's made us and he knows how we hear and he knows what moves us and God by his spirit knows how to, to woo us and pull us into the life of salvation. We want other people to experience Jesus in the exact same way and these Judaizers did too. They wanted all worship of Jesus to sanction their social products, or their, their social projects and their identity markers. It was a way to maintain power and to monopolize the salvation market. Everything's got to go through us. <laughs> and they knew that if they could build, if they could get these Gentiles to live that way, then they would be in a position of power and that they would always be needed. But the thing is, Jesus's salvation in someone else's life doesn't always need us in the big middle of it. So they wanted, they wanted people to experience Jesus the same way they had and they wanted worship of Jesus to sanction their social projects and their identity markers. 
And these, Jew, these Gentiles couldn't really be themselves. They had to change everything under these rules and they had to break all continuity with their former life. But think about the ramifications. You got scores of middle-aged men that want to say yes to Jesus and the Jewish gatekeepers are saying, uh, your, faith is not, your faith in Jesus is not enough, you gotta get circumcised. 50-year-old men going, you come at me with that dull knife, I'm gonna knock you to Syria. <laughs> the heck I'm getting, sur- no, Jesus is enough, baby. <laughs> but seriously, like, think about this. Like they had been living their lives and they finally seen the one who was and is and is to come. Jesus was crucified and raised up on the third day and they said, we love Jesus. And the, and the Judaizers said, well, that's not actually enough. Jesus isn't enough for you. It's Jesus plus all of our, all, all of our cultural incrustations and all of, our, all of our ways of doing it. Jesus plus gospel. It's easy to look back on this text as if it were an ancient problem. But we do this same thing today. I'm gonna be really gentle here and I've prayed all day long and really all week long that the Lord would tune my heart right when I got to this section. So please know I am not chippy, okay? I'm not coming with sarcasm, but I want you to see how we do this all day, every day. Jesus plus a certain version of parenting style. Jesus plus a certain approach to dating. We don't date, we do courtship. We kiss dating goodbye. Ironically, the guy who wrote that book doesn't follow Jesus anymore. Why? Because a Jesus plus gospel doesn't actually carry the heavy weight. I believe he'll come back to the faith. I pray for him. I do. But he spent so many years with the Jesus plus thing and it blew up and he was young and all this money came in and, and actually it started breaking down. The Jesus plus gospels always unravel. Jesus plus a certain approach to education for our children. Jesus plus rigid abstention from any alcohol. Jesus plus uh, uh, um, you know, violence or Jesus plus guns. And I have got nothing wrong with guns. I, 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 please hear me, okay? I'm not mad, but I want to show you a picture that I saw someone put up on Facebook. This picture number one. Jesus plus guns. Like we are laughing. We are laughing. But this is a very real representation of what some people think following Jesus has to look like. And it drives people away. We've got Jesus plus America. I am, I am so thankful. I, man, God, I, I hit the genealogical, biological jackpot, the geographical jackpot. I didn't do anything to deserve to be born. I'm so thankful that I was born here. I love our nation. Do you hear me? I'm not being sarcastic, but so many people have created a Jesus plus America thing that has so muddled the gospel that like, I want to ask, let me show you this picture. Jesus plus America. This is Jesus holding the constitution with all of our founding fathers and we've got all the important people and Washington DC in the background and like, uh, that's a desecration, 
The questions we got to ask ourselves about the gospel we preach to the world. Like, would our gospel make sense to a grandma sitting in a refugee camp in Afghanistan right now? Because that gospel doesn't. Would Jesus, the Jesus that I preach, be accessible to a kid who's living in an orphanage in Central America right now? Would I tell him about Jesus and would it be good news for him or would he be confounded and confused or worse, heartbroken or feeling like he's on the outside? Would my proclamation of Jesus move the hearts of migrant workers in rural China? Slaves to the the communist regime, like, like if I came in, would my gospel make sense and would it actually be good news or would they like, what? Or is my proclamation of Jesus so cluttered and encrusted with my socio-cultural identity markers? Jesus plus rugged masculinity. Can I show you one more picture that breaks my heart? I don't, I'm not trying to get, I, I just, I want to be honest about the stories of Jesus that are circulating. I have a friend and he's a good man. He's kind of built small and he's really bookish. Didn't really love to be outside much, just would tuck himself away and read, just read, read, read. And, and he came from a big barrel-chested hoss jock of a guy, his dad. Dad, football player, stud, you know, break your neck, rough you up. Uh, like just a, a hoss of a dad. And the dad realized quickly that his son wasn't going to be him and he just couldn't live with it. And he... He just, he'd hit this kid in the sternum and say, come on, be a man. And then this guy would come up to my office and say, ah, pastor, what's going on, man? Year after year, and I'd, one time I had to call the cops because of what happened. Be a man. Jesus was a man. He would say this to his son. Jesus was a man. Be a man. Is there any surprise why this guy has now rejected Jesus full sail? Because it was a Jesus plus gospel and Jesus plus gospels are false gospels. They always break down and they always wound and they always hurt and they always leave a trail of bodies in their wake. Friends, I'm saying this with such intensity because the stakes are high. The sobering reality is if we're not careful, we can become the bottleneck that blocks people from entering the kingdom like that dad was to his son. People are trying to pass through to find the good news of Jesus, but we crunch their lives and suffocate their lives with these Jesus plus gospels. Friends, we can't do it. I'm convinced that many more people would say yes to Jesus if they thought they were only saying yes to Jesus. And many people are, aren't rejecting Jesus, they're rejecting all the things we've tacked on to Jesus. So I'll say any gospel that is a Jesus plus gospel is a false gospel. But there's really good news. There is really good news. I would never lead you to this moment and then just stop there. 
It would be depressing if there was no further story to carry us into hope and into life. The really good news is that we can be free of our Jesus plus false gospels. And Paul was the worst offender. Paul is the one to tell us about the damage of Jesus plus gospels because before Jesus knocked him off of his horse on the road to Damascus, Paul was carrying papers from the church in Jerusalem, the, the temple in Jerusalem saying, all these Jesus people, we're gonna strike them down. And he was holding the coats of the people who were stoning Stephen to death in Acts chapter seven. Stephen, the first Christian martyr saying, Jesus Christ is Lord. And Paul is there that day, formerly known as Saul, as they were stoning that man to death. He knew what it was to suffocate and to be the bottleneck blocking people from the kingdom of God. And Jesus got a hold of him and woke him up and showed him the true gospel. So Paul is the one to tell us this story. He says, for you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism. How intensely I persecuted the church of God and I tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age and among my people. And I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers, all of the plus stuff. Paul said, no one went harder than me. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and he called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me. Pleased to reveal his son. Like Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the gospel. When God was pleased to finally knock me off my horse and get my story straight about Jesus so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult with any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went out into Arabia and later I returned to Damascus, Syria. Paul says I was advancing in my narrow nationalistic identity. I was preaching a gospel that was excluding Jesus. So that was, I, I was doing it all wrong and I was climbing the ladder, he says. You see, in his former life, Paul was protecting Jerusalem while neglecting the salvation of the world. Think about this, protecting Jerusalem. Oh, the temple, we gotta make sure everyone's doing it right. We gotta make sure our social identity markers are protected. We've gotta make sure everyone's jumping through all of the hoops and all of the Levitical laws. We can't, we can't, we can't stand to lose power and control. We gotta make sure that all of the world acts like us because we are the authority on what the life of faith looks like. He was protecting Jerusalem, but he was missing out on the salvation of the world. And I'll tell you, in my childhood, I remember moments like this. I grew up in a great Christian home. My parents, they God, thank you for David and Becky Grothy. They raised me well and raised me and my sisters in the word of God and they prayed for us and they had us in church. They did it right. But when you're a kid, very often you take something and, and you exaggerate it, right? You, you take it to its farthest lengths. And I remember doing this. I felt the responsibility to guard the center of the Christian faith. All these people who are doing it wrong and probably they're going to hell. Right? Anyone ever thought that? Like, I was this little kid going, oh, I seen some smoking at the gas station. I was, First of all, get away from the gas pump. You know? <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> Second of all, you're going to hell. And if you smoke by the gas pump, you'll go there quickly. <laughs> I was so 
concerned I was the righteous elect who was supposed to be the the police of the world, the theological and moral police of all of the universe. And don't, oh, you said the the S word, stupid? You're going to hell. You know, like. I remember flying to Idaho where my grandparents lived, Dan and Louise Wilson, my grandma Wheezy's almost 90. She's watching right now. And uh, grandma, I'm sorry, I'm gonna just tell on myself here, but I remember being eight, nine years old, going out into my grand, you know, Grandma and grandpa, when people come, they've got a fridge in the garage, you know? Not just a fridge in the house, but a fridge in the garage. And they load up on stuff and popsicles and pops and all this stuff. So I went out to the fridge in the garage and I saw something in the back of the fridge at eye level. And I was like, what is that? And it said Bud Light on it. (laughs) As God is my witness. I knew Grandpa Dan was going straight to, like, uh, it was, I was shocked. I, I promise you, I went to bed that night and I was praying and interceding for his salvation. God, please, I thought he was a good man and I know he's, why is he living this conflicted story? And I'm eight years old just wrestling in prayer for the salvation of my grandfather. Because he had a Bud Light. It was probably grandma's. Sorry, grandma. Sorry, love you, love you. But as I got older, I recognized that as a Jesus plus gospel. I was building something that wasn't actually there. I was so concerned, I was adding things to the gospel, and I was keeping people out, and I was protecting the center while neglecting the goodness of God's big world. While neglecting taking care of and inviting others into the joy. Actually, in that model, there's not a lot of joy, there's just a lot of furrowed eyebrows. Policing the, the universe for all the bad stuff that everyone's gonna go to hell for. And it's not good news, but we think it is. We're protecting the center and we miss out on life and blessing and goodness and have a beer, Grandpa. uh, You just worked hard today. You earned that thing. But I was just so... A Jesus plus gospel that is so concerned with keeping everybody out of the goodness. And Paul says, you're missing out on the good news and his name is Jesus and he loves the lowly and he takes care of the poor and the needy and he lifts up the adulteress out of the dust and goes, Roman, where are your accusers? Go and sin no more. And he blesses those that curse him. And Jesus is not concerned about protecting the center. He stretches out his arms and dies for the life of the world. Jesus is the good news. And this is why, this is why it's not Jesus plus, it's, it's we believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, and light from light, true God from true God, and he's begotten, not made, and he's of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, and for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate of the Virgin Mary, and he was made man. He suffered for us and died. He 
Pontius Pilate hung him up on a tree. And they put him into a tomb. And on the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. And he ascended into heaven. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will never end. The good news is Jesus. It is not Jesus plus my little project. It is not Jesus plus me protecting, keeping all the bad people out. It's just Jesus. And if you will come to him. If you will come to him, he will dust you off and he'll stand you up on your feet and he'll wash your sins away. And he was crucified so that you could live and he was crushed so that you could be put back together. Jesus, 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 the son of the living God is for you and he's not against you. And he's got a smile when he thinks about you. He's no furrowed brow. That's what we do with all of our little false gospels. Jesus Eyes wide open, arms wide open, come in my father's house. There are many rooms. The good news is Jesus, period. Can you stand with me tonight? Stand with me tonight as the worship team comes. What I want us to do is to pray together the statement of our faith. I want this to be a proclamation tonight. I want us to remember the story and the essence and the the truth of the story that we've been engrafted into, the good news. And so tonight, let's pray this church statement of faith that every stream in the body of Christ has agreed to and been praying for hundreds and hundreds of years. Let's pray this together tonight by faith. We believe in one God, the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. And now let's pray this with everything in us. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. Can we take a second there? His kingdom will have no end. Let's pray on. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, universal, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. And all God's people said, amen. I want us, before we receive communion, I want us to worship. We're going to sing this song. What a beautiful name it is. 
the name of Jesus Christ, our King. And I want you to sing the gospel good news, Jesus, period. So let's sing this tonight and then I'll come back and we'll receive communion. Let's worship the Lord together.
Death could not hold you here after communion. Would you get your communion elements ready to receive? If you don't have any, would you raise your hands? The Mertens ladies will bring them to you. This is the exact right thing to do after a text like this. The gospel is Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus really boiled it down. He made it really simple and really plain and really uncluttered. It wasn't a gospel of Jesus plus anything. It was, this is my body, which is broken for you. Would you break that little wafer there? And imagine yourself, close your eyes, imagine yourself sitting across the table from Jesus on that fateful and dark Good Friday night. Jesus knows what you and I are going to need for the road ahead. With eyes of compassion and eyes of deep love, Jesus reaches across the table and he hands the bread to you. This is my body, which is broken for you. And so Jesus, tonight, I pray that you would take us back to the simplicity of the good news. Jesus, living, dead, buried, raised, Send it to the right hand of the Father. Jesus, you are the story. So tonight, friends, you may receive the broken body from Jesus Christ. On that same night, he took the cup of wine. He said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood. And it's given for the remission of your sins. It's given even to wash away all the old Jesus plus gospels, to bury all those false gospels and all those, all those things that have cluttered the landscape of our faith. Jesus is washing it away tonight and boiling it down to the simplicity. This is my blood given for you, given for the remission of your sins. So you may receive the cup tonight from Jesus, forgiveness of your sins. Death could not hold you. Come on, church. Death's all before you. You silence the voice of 
greater truth? Is there a different reality? Just Jesus, who was and is and is to come. Jesus, who one day will make it so there are no more wars anymore. And right now we pray for Afghanistan, God. Have mercy. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy. For Haiti, Lord. Have mercy. Jesus, lift up the lowly. Protect the helpless, Jesus. Defend the widows and the orphans, the elderly. Feed the hungry. Clothe the naked. Visit the sick and the imprisoned. Jesus, let your kingdom come. Please, Lord, let your will be done. 
For the ones stuck at the Kabul airport, Lord, have mercy. For our soldiers over there, have mercy, Lord. Have mercy, Lord. Jesus, bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Who else can do it? Who else has conquered death? Who else has the keys to the kingdom? Who else has kicked the devil in the teeth? Jesus, we need you. We need you. We need you. We need you. And we ache and we long for that day when there'll be no more death, no more suffering, no more mourning, no more sickness, no more tears. And so, Jesus, we wait for you. We say, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Now, would you open your hands, Lord, for my friends, I pray tonight. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Body, soul, mind, and spirit, bless them. Their families, their friends, bless them. Their businesses, bless them. Their bodies, heal them and bless them and strengthen them. Their own minds, mental health, Lord, bless them, strengthen them. Bless my friends and keep them. And make your face to shine upon them. Don't let them be like me as a little boy, trying to keep everybody out. Make your face shine so that we smile. Make your face shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Lord, you know what they need. Lord, smile big on my friends and grant them peace. I pray for every storm. Peace be still. For every afflicted relationship, peace be still. For every bit of chaos, peace be still. For every fear, for every anxiety, peace be still. For Joshua Harris, who wrote, I kiss dating goodbye, bring him back, Jesus. Bless him. Show him your love, Lord. He's been hurt by people. Show him your love. Care for him. For my friend who was wounded by his dad, draw him back into the love of Jesus. Heal his broken heart. He didn't do this to himself. Lord, have mercy. Grant him peace. Send us all out of here tonight in the grace and the peace. I pray these things tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Let's give God thanks for what he's done here tonight. A couple things. We've got the summer nights party next week. My bad on the email. If you're new, come see us at Guest Central in the back. We'd love to meet you. And we would love to pray for you. Our prayer team is coming right now. If you have any prayer needs that we can agree with, come see us. Go from here tonight in God's grace and peace. Much love.